Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast as La Liga picks up steam we're already into match day seven and what a jornada it was with, with plentiful goals, there's more narrative of course, there's red cards and refereeing decisions and controversies as ever and I'm joined as ever by Sam Leverage. How are you doing on? I'm good thank you, yeah it's been a, a weird weekend almost, I mean we talk about games of two halves, I think it's been a weekend of two halves, I mean five goals on Saturday and then the first game of Sunday gave us five goals on its own. So it's been a mixed weekend, but very entertaining one as well. Yeah, certainly there were some attritional games on the Saturday for, for the real football lovers to uh, to dig into. And then Sunday has, has brought us a little bit more mayhem, a little bit more more fun. What have you? Is there anything in particular you've made of this weekend? Anything you'd like to highlight? Uh, I'd like to highlight that I managed to stay awake for the full 90 minutes of Real Madrid Villarreal. Uh, and I didn't like pull my eyes out watching Atletico Madrid play on Saturday either but no I think there's been some good performances and, and I think the the real headline this weekend I mean it's not the the one that's going to be in all the newspapers but it's good to see some of the smaller teams keep playing well I mean Osasuna and Rayo Vallecano have both got some big results and they've both been playing pretty well I mean they're kind of in that kind of Europa League position early on in the season where maybe they can push on if they can keep up this form so I think it's exciting to see them doing so well and let's see how how they do in the next few weeks if they can keep it up Yeah certainly I think we're seeing the effect of some of the managers in, in the case of the teams you're mentioning Iraola and Arasate and not such a small team but Real Sociedad with Aguacil we're seeing the effect of managers who are allowed to do their job in my opinion but we shall move on to that later in terms, and that's more to come in the rest of the show. We'll also move on and touch on Barcelona and Real Madrid. We've got Jamie Campbell coming up. For now, I want to get Sam Leverage's thoughts on that Atleti performance at Alaves. Alaves were colista. They were last in the table against the reigning champions. What on earth happened? Well, it was almost sadly predictable. I mean, this is Atletico Madrid as they've been playing for a few weeks now, only without the last 10 minutes that they keep producing. I mean, it was always going to happen at some point in time because you can't keep producing late comebacks with injury time winners. And that's what Atletico Madrid have done. Aspanyol, they did it 
uh, against Tetafe they did it, and then they had a couple of 0-0 draws against Porto and against Athletic in there where they just didn't concede. This time, the defensive, I don't know what to call it, kind of a lack of concentration again cost them a goal, just like it did at Tafe, just like it did against Espanyol. And this time, there simply wasn't the the drive, the the attacking spark to give them the two goals that they needed late on. And part of that is going to be the tiredness of having to do it in those two games recently. And part of it as well, without wanting to scapegoat him too much, is Antoine Griezmann. I mean... Antoine Griezmann played against Espanyol and played against Atafe. In both of those games, he was subbed off. And after he was subbed off, Atleti scored two goals. Against Alaves, he played the full 90 minutes and there were no two goals. So, correlation doesn't always equal causation. But for me, there's a, there's a pretty clear link between when Atleti looked dangerous in attack and when Antoine Griezmann has been on the field since he came back. Yeah, certainly it's been a... It's something we both touched on, and I, I was making a joke about Luis Suarez to you, bringing the winning mentality to, to Atletico Madrid, and Griezmann bringing the losing mentality. But in terms of, for me, certainly one of the things that Atleti have been lacking is balance, and that's part of that is Griezmann unbalancing the situation, and it means you're playing more attackers than perhaps you would normally. What do you think... Simeone needs to do? Does he need to find a different position for Griezmann and take someone else out the lineup, Or would you... Do you think it's Griezmann? He just has to sit on the bench if he's not playing well. I mean, it sounds harsh, but I just don't see how Griezmann can fit in. I mean, Aleti's attack is all about the energy, the, the pace, the intensity. I mean, last season we saw kind of Yannick Carrasco and Marco Julente bombing down the wings. And then you'd have kind of the energetic runs of Thomas Lamar, of Angel Correa. So the Luis Suarez kind of that point in attack didn't have to be as mobile because all the movement was going on around him. This year, with Griezmann in the team, I mean, Griezmann doesn't make those runs. There's no movement from him. So all of a sudden, Athletic study suddenly look a bit more turgid, a bit slower, a bit stodgier. Just there's no, there's no movement, there's no spark. I think that's kind of what's missing in attack, especially after Angel Correa started the season so well with three goals and an assist in his first three games. To then see him on the bench with Griezmann starting every game, no matter how he plays. It must be frustrating for Atleti, but it goes through the whole team as well. I mean, their squad isn't the deepest. And I mean, this weekend, Simeone wanted to rest Josema Jimenez, and that meant that he had to change the shape at the back and go to a back four because there aren't options. Koke has been missing midfield, and Koke is hugely important to this Atleti team and how they play. And I think him coming back will have a big influence, whether Griezmann's on the pitch or on the bench. I think he's such an important player for the whole system that Atleti have that, that there's no real alternative. Hector Herrera, Rodrigo de Paul, Jeffrey Condogbia, none of them really substitute that role. So to have him back, and they're hoping to have him back for, for Barcelona, will be a big, big, big boost for, for Atletico. So this was a result that I think has been coming for a while. And it was just kind of a question of when it would actually happen. And Atleti wouldn't be able to pull the, the magic card out of their sleeves. But in a way, it might even be better to have got that result out of the way. Against Alaves, it's embarrassing, but we got it out of the way and now we can try and rebuild again. And, and with Milan on Tuesday and Barcelona next weekend, I think they really need to bounce back strong. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, will, I will say, I think that Atleti have one of the deeper squads for me, but there's certain 
parts of that squad that are irreplaceable and can't be substituted, like Goke. I do agree with you there. And just quickly, I want to touch on Alaves because let's give them some credit here. They were really against the ropes. Javi Callejas pulled the result out of the bag and did so dropping Hosselu, which is quite a move from Calleja. What did you make of their performance? Yeah, I thought Alaves were very well organised. I mean, this was almost the Calleja that we saw at Alaves last season. I mean, he's a very brave coach. He's not afraid to make big decisions, but dropping Hosselu from this Alaves team, I mean... You look at the side, you think, where are the goals going to come from, Javi Calleja? I mean, within that team, there's no real other obvious goal scorer. So I think it helped that they got the goal so early on. I mean, the fourth minute when LaGuardia headed in. And that definitely conditioned the game because it meant that Alaves could sit deeper and could defend more. And, and they did so very well. I mean, they defended as a unit. And that's kind of what Calleja's teams have done in the past when they've needed to is that he's not the most offensive-minded coach. But when... He does go defensive. He's very good at getting his team very well organised and well structured. And I think if that if Alaves want to do well this season and and stay up, that's what they need to do is is produce these defensive, well organised performances and and hope for the smash and grab goal. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do. So we. On Sunday afternoon, we witnessed perhaps a less organised defence in Levante, and their opponents were. Barcelona, who were under pressure, but they came up with a result, beating Levante 3-0. And there's only one place to start with that. It's the headline news, Ansu Fati. So let's listen to the commentary from Alfredo Martinez of his goal. And then we will talk to Roman de Arquer about just how that match played out. And I'm joined by Roman de Arquer, who it's been a while since we've had him on due to scheduling. How are you doing, Roman? Well, I'm doing pretty well, actually, especially after that uh, really good performance by uh, Barca. I mean, I honestly didn't expect them to take this leap uh, in this game specifically. And they really surprised us, not just because of how well they played, but with who they played, you know, with the youngsters on the field, which was great to see. And of course... The return of Ansu Fati, which we're all awaiting, and it was just as grand as we'd hoped for. Yeah, there's, there's only one place to start, and that sort of iconic image of Ronald Araujo hoisting Ansu Fati to disguise as he scores on his return. Just what what was it like watching him come on, and what does this mean for Barcelona having Ansu Fati back? Well, I mean, um, he's definitely Barca's leader of the future, or at least that's what the club wants from him, you know. After Leo Messi was gone, uh, of course, they gave him the number 10 because they think he's obviously not Messi, but he's the new figure that can kind of uh, emulate slightly what uh, Messi did. And seeing him come on, uh, he looked good since the first ball he touched, you know, going forward, the same old answer. We were a bit worried in that sense because who knows if... 
maybe being so long away from um, the football pitch he would maybe not perform as well he might be a bit rusty but in the end I mean he got he was fantastic he got or he should have gotten a penalty call which I think was blatant but the ref didn't agree neither did VAR and uh, then in the end he got that goal and that iconic moment uh, Ronald Araujo he knew he had to lift him I mean it was a a great gesture from him to, to lift him up and all of the players like from underneath you know trying to like grab him and, and uh, congratulate him that moment was just fantastic to see and I'm so happy for him I'm so happy for the club and and Barca needed something like this given uh, that negative spiral we'd been on for a few weeks and I think something like this can really change the momentum and help the team uh, move forward and push forward. Yeah, the listeners can't see me now, but just the way Roman was describing that, I've, I've got a grin on my face. Moving on to sort of the wider performance after a really tough week with some grim performances against Cadiz and Granada. What did you make of today? A, a much needed win. Yeah, absolutely. A much, much needed win, especially for Ronald Koeman, as we all know, because he's in a very... Uh, complicated situation and also take into account how the team had played in the last few games uh, seeing them perform this level kind of give you gives you hope you know that they can do much better they have the capacity the quality and the players and the best thing of all that is that there were so many youngsters taking part in this game and performing at a really high level Nico and Gabi were fantastic uh, Minguez as usual very reliable Araujo when he came on he was good and Sufati of course and the long etc of other players you know that that, um, have been in La Masia maybe years ago, such as the old uh, guard or the newer ones, which are which are doing really well. So I mean, uh, that was just fantastic to see. Although I don't want to get my hopes up too soon because after all, it was Levante who hasn't won a game uh, since last season, if I'm not mistaken. They have a really bad streak, and they're a team also that likes to go forward. They don't close behind, maybe uh, such as Cadiz, which is a classic team that just waits behind, or even Granada, who after the goal, you know, they just shot themselves at the back and were waiting for those counters. Levante goes a bit more forward, tries to have the ball, tries to do a bit more. At least that's Paco Lopez's mentality, and I think that made it slightly easier for Barca to, to shine, we could say. So let's see how the next games against Benfica, against Atletico go, because uh, those will also tell us if there's actually an improvement or if we're still in a very uh, complex moment. I'd agree that Levante were a nice side for Barcelona to be facing today, just in the way they set up. And... Moving on to Kumin, and you said it was important for him and talking of, of hope. Is, is there any way in your mind that Kumin can sort of revert this situation or is he completely burned in your mind? Uh, for me, he's not completely burned because I may be one of the few who kind of uh, trusted him last season in the, in the way that I never wanted Kuman in the first place uh, to come to Barcelona. I wasn't really happy with the signing, but to be honest, I expected last season to be awful, and he did much better than I thought. I mean, Barcelona were fighting for the league until the end. He won a Copa del Rey. The uh, Champions League is another story, but I mean, he was okay, and I was hoping he could kind of bring that momentum towards this season. But of course, what happened this season? That we lost Leo Messi to the end of uh, the transfer market, and now we're in a period after Leo Messi and we were talking about years ago about uh, what would happen when Leo Messi would leave a lot of us thought that it would be difficult and it's it's actually really difficult so I think Kuman in a way is in the wrong place at the wrong time and unfortunately he lost Leo Messi and without Leo Messi the team was bound to be much worse we could say in a way so um, I do understand the critics in the sense that Kuman seems quite limited tactically he maybe doesn't take best of decisions or or his formations aren't ideal uh, but of course, it's, it's really complex for Laporta now to make a decision if, if Kuman wins the next few games and the team plays at this level. 
I mean, it's hard to say. He's not burnt in, in my, for me at least. He's not completely burnt. He still uh, has some credit, we could say. But uh, it's true. I don't see Kuman leading the team from here for the next three, four, five years. I don't see him as a future Chavi, you know, in that sense. So um, it all depends on, on how he performs and if the team plays well. I mean, he has to stay, you know, because if the team is doing what it should be doing, you can't really too much about that. But it's a very complicated situation, to be honest. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that are influencing this, not only the performances, but the climate around the club that don't have anything to do with Koeman. And so on in one level, it is kind of hard to evaluate his performance, but um, I shall wrap it up there. Thank you very much for coming back on. It's been a pleasure to hear you speaking about Barcelona Thanks again. Thanks for having me and hopefully uh, we'll talk more about Barca in a positive sense like today in the future. Yeah, fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed. And I'll throw it back to the pod just now. We're going to take a quick break. But don't go anywhere because we've got Jamie Campbell talking Villarreal, Real Madrid coming up. We've got MVP and we'll get into all the major talking points from the rest of the action this weekend in La Liga and Jornada 7. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. We will touch on the rest of the league's actions, some thrilling games and some great goals, as well as our MVPs and moments of the week. 
But first of all, we're going to hand over to Sam, who spoke to Jamie Kemble about Villarreal's trip to the Bernabeu and the nil-nil draw that ensued. So I'm joined by Jamie Kemble. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. What did you make of that result then, Jamie? I mean, a good performance against Real Madrid and, and a point taken from the Bernabeu, but was it one point gained or two points dropped for Real? I mean, they had chances, but they were left with a nil-nil draw. Yeah, overall, definitely a, a good point for Real. You have to look at it as a, as a tough away game against the Real Madrid side who've won the last five games straight, the last four games in La Liga. Um, you probably looked the best team altogether in La Liga so far. Um, like you said, it's, it's, it always leaves a kind of a bit of feeling when, when you miss chances and I thought there were some decent chances perhaps created the better of them despite some heavy pressure from Real Madrid. That one in particular from Dan Juma with the, the path, pass from Foyt was a little bit short and the, uh, the the chance Dan Juma created for himself early on. That kind of makes it feel a little bit like there could have been more more to grab from the game but you know, if, if you, you have to look at it as if you offer it before the game, would you have taken it and I think absolutely, and not only was it a draw, but a much improved performance as well. Perhaps the strongest performance so far this season. And, you know, I don't think you can ever turn your nose up at a point away at the Bernabeu, and a lot of good teams will go there and lose this season. So if you pick up points in games like that and then look to win your home games, uh, beat the teams below you, I think uh, you're in for a good season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you mentioned that Dan Juma chance there as well. I mean, without Gerard Moreno to take that point, it's even more valuable. I mean, how have you kind of, seen Villarreal in the last couple of weeks without Gerard Moreno with that muscle injury. I mean, they looked pretty good in attack, but maybe not as clinical as they would be with, with their top scorer. You know, yes, it's been a struggle without him, but I have to say it's been a struggle with him as well this season, which is um, a little bit strange. He's such a reliable goal scorer, but uh, in the first couple of weeks of the season, he looked, he looked very tired after a busy summer, a busy season of last. Uh, much improved in the Atlanta game in the Champions League. He did look dangerous in that one, but in the games previous, he had really struggled to to sort of find his feet, just look a little bit worn, um, in need of a rest, I think. So I think it'll, it'll be better for the time off, despite having an injury. And yeah, like I said, it's been a bit of a struggle to create chances. Bula Idea looked good in the first half of the Mallorca game, but just seems to be lacking that cutting edge a little bit at the moment, uh, which is understandable when you come to a new league. Uh, Paco Alcafé came in last week. He looked really good, to be fair. And that's why he kept his place last night. Um, he created chances against um, Elche in that win yet to score himself but yeah it's always going to be difficult when you lose and you start striking you're never going to have two of those in a squad not if you're you know if you're not one of the top two um, not even those teams have the luxury of that look at Real Madrid you know beyond Benzema you know who's going to fill that kind of role um, and that's a similar kind of thing at Villarreal at the moment but they are other good strikers they are other ways of creating chances and I think last night was a, a step forward in the search to find and create those chances uh, so that, very encouraging last night to, to create the amount of good opportunities they did uh, at the Bernabeu and without Gerard Moreno as well. Yeah, and I mean, I was at the game at the Bernabeu and, and Unai Emery kind of going crazy on the touchline as he always does, but kind of micromanaging everything, just setting the defence up and everything. There was one guy in defence who particularly impressed me, which was Juan Foyth. I mean, what did you make of his performance and, and his form this season? Yeah, he's, he's been absolutely brilliant since he signed. Um, originally he played sort of in a deep midfield role, which is a little bit strange, but as soon as he went to right back last season, uh, he just hasn't looked back. He's been a brilliant, brilliant player and probably one of the players of the season last season, apart from 
um, Gerald Moreno, as we've already mentioned. But yeah, it's been surprised to me. I mentioned last night on Twitter the kind of the kind of attacking force that he adds as well. Certainly, the defensive side of his game is is where his strengths lie, and there's no doubt in that. But he, for for someone who's like not quite known as a as a play setting centre back that he used to be, he's just he's got that pace a little bit to at least over sort of 10, 15 yards to get away from a man and, and create a chance or get Villarreal into that last third. So, you know, his strength certainly is defensive, like I said, and defensively he just doesn't put a foot wrong at right back, despite the fact that, you know, he's played most of his career as a centre back. Um, he's, he's certainly one of the undroppable players at Villarreal at the moment and one of the best signings in the last couple of years, certainly one of the most reliable. Yeah, him and Jeremy Pino were giving Nacho nightmares when he was filling in at left back. I thought they teamed up quite well down that right flank and so Jamie kind of what are your general feelings I mean six games in now unbeaten but only one win I mean how do you see the rest of the season panning out for Villarreal I think I think there's been progress I have to say I think it's obviously disappointing when you when you draw as many games as Villarreal have especially from last season as the one thing that that everyone was worried about is that Villarreal would draw too many games but you have to look at at the at the set of games as a whole, you've played I've played Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid away from home, and to still be unbeaten after six games is a, is pretty good going I think, and you know we look at the the other teams who've lost games. Well, I look at the, where Villarreal want to be, and I think Real Sociedad at the moment in fourth and only five points ahead. It's not that's not a sort of damaging deficit in any means, especially the teams that Villarreal have already played. There's certainly some wins in this. There should certainly some of the draws that they should have won. Um, they have to put that right if they're going to challenge for fifth, sixth, fourth place, wherever they might end up, and do well in the Champions League as well. But ultimately, if you can't win games, you've got to draw them. And I think that they've done that. They've avoided defeats. They've played well against the better teams. They've stepped up against the better teams, as Unai Emery's teams tend to do. And that's certainly those are certainly positives. But like I said, they obviously, they've got to find that rhythm to go and win games. They showed that last week against Elche, even without Gerard Moreno. And you would just hope that the, the as they find their rhythm as they go along, as Moreno comes back in, as Dan Juma gets stronger in the new league, they get Sam Chuguesi back, who's one of the most direct uh, and attacking players in the squad, that the chances start to open up and they'll score goals to win games. But So overall, I think a, a, a decent return uh, certainly could be better and should be better, but in no means disastrous, especially when you look at the rest of the league and the points that they've picked up as well. Yeah, and big results against Atleti away and Real Madrid away as well. Eh? They could have been three points, but one point isn't bad. So let's keep our fingers crossed for Villarreal throughout the rest of the season. Where can we follow you, Jamie, to keep up with all your insight on Villarreal? Yeah, as ever, John, at Jamie Kemble on Twitter. And I've got a YouTube channel as well where I look at all the league's kind of action with video stuff, video previews, reviews, that kind of thing. And my work as well on Football Hispania. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. No problem at all. I'll throw it back to Rory to, to carry on looking at all the rest of the La Liga action this weekend. My thanks to Jamie and yourself, Sam, there. Just a quick sort of recap of the results. Salaves obviously beat Atleti 1-0. Valencia drew with Athletic. One apiece at Mestalla, Sevilla, were victorious over Espanyol. We just heard about that draw between Real Madrid and Villarreal. Osasuna Mallorca was a, a thrilling game, 3-2 it finished to the Navarans. Then the Barcelona match obviously happened on Sunday afternoon with Ansu Fati's return. 
before Rayo Vallecano beat Gaddy 3-1 at Vallecas. Real Sociedad scraped fast Elche with a goal from Mikel Oyarzabal. And late Sunday night, William Jose was, was a key figure as, Real's, as Real Betis disposed of a, a hapless Hatafe side once again. First of all, I'm just going to come to you on Real Madrid. I mean, we've heard about that sort of draw from a Villarreal perspective, but what did you think of Ancelotti's side this weekend, Sam? I thought they looked a bit tired. I mean, we've seen it a couple of times this season. I think it's almost, I tweeted it out at the game on, on Saturday, it's almost like Ancelotti's first spell at the club. So, I mean, they're incredible against the weaker teams. I mean, we've seen them blow Celta Vigo, Ala. Alaves um, and of course Mallorca midweek out of the water completely. I mean, they thrashed them, made it look like they were unstoppable, like nobody was going to be able to, to beat them all season long. But then in the tougher ties, I mean, this one against Villarreal, against Inter, they really have to work for it. And I think that's a theme that we're going to see more and more of this season. I think obviously Ancelotti is missing his two first choice fullbacks. He's also missing Donny Cruz, who's undisputed starter. So I don't think this is nearly a, necessarily a bad result for Real Madrid, but I think there is a, a maybe a little bit of a worry about how the team are playing in these really important and big fixtures up against high-quality opposition, where they're not quite able to replicate the same kind of performances as they are against the likes of Mallorca and, and Alaves. Yeah, certainly. I think it was it was something that was forewarned by quite a few people that once they're facing a more organized and better side they might struggle a little more so it will be intriguing to see how Ancelotti addresses that and, and tries to sort of tinker with things on to the sort of Marcelino Bordelas derby which is is a different feel now because Bordelas now on the Valencia bench Marcelino meanwhile is at Athletic it's finished 1-1 there was a red card for Maxi Gomez it wasn't quite as bad tempered as it usually is. What did you make of the game? Yeah, I mean, it was a very Marcelino for the last derby, only with two teams with a bit more quality, maybe a bit more kind of desperate not to lose than we've seen in previous Valencia Tapo ties. I think both teams were, were keen to try and keep the score down. Um, and we saw that, I mean, neither team is particularly prolific with the goals this season. And it was kind of performances which, which reflected that. I think both of them were pretty reliable defensively. And and in the end, I mean, Inigo Martinez took his goal well. And then Valencia, obviously, with last gasp, Marcos Andre popping up. I think point was probably the fair result in that one. Yeah, and again, this was something that I, pre I predicted on the SBR Sports, that this was going to be a low-scoring game and, and neither side wanted to lose it. A high-scoring game and a and a thrilling game was Osasuna Mallorca. I'm not sure we quite saw this one being so entertaining, but that that was a hell of a fixture. And Yagoba Arasate, three wins out of three away from home. Osasuna normally we associate them with being so good at El Salar, but but what for you makes them better away from home this time? I think they're really kind of picking up confidence. I mean, you look at their away wins, especially. I mean, the the away win in the opening weekend against Cadiz, and then this away win in Mallorca. I mean, two tough places to go and in both cases they've come away with kind of last minute winners to win 3-2 I mean I think that's the big difference with Osasuna compared to previous seasons is that this year they look like they're always confident they can find another goal in the past they, they've struggled a bit in front of goal but I think this year I mean I've spoken about it a few times before but with Ante Budemir, Kike Garcia, Jimmy Avila 
that's some real goal-scoring talent. And then they've got plenty of other players like Javi Martinez who popped up at the very end here, who kind of are producing the goods and, and scoring all the goals that, that Osasuna needs. So especially away on the road, I think that's giving them a real confidence boost that they keep believing, keep fighting until the very end. Yeah, and some frightening strikes from Inigo Perez and Cote in this game. Definitely go and check them out if you get get the opportunity. In terms of the other games, was there anything you wanted to highlight? I know you're at Vallecas to witness Falcao scoring his third goal in three games, but it was an overall good team performance from what I could tell from Rayo. Isi Palazón got on the score sheet as well as Alvaro Garcia, who scored against Athletic as well. What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it was a very, very exciting performance from Rayo. I mean, they weren't always in the lead. I mean, Cadiz pulled them, pulled one back and it was a draw even after they took that initial lead, but Rayo were very dominant in that game. I mean, we're used to Rayo kind of being a bit chaotic and everything, and they were very much very chaotic, and and that's what makes Rayo so great. I mean, seeing them going for a third goal kind of in the 88th, 89th minute when he scored that cracking effort, I mean, that was very Rayo. I mean, how many other teams, if they're winning 2-1 at home, would try and shut up shop and see out the result? But Rayo went for it. I mean, it's... A very strong team performance. I think that's what's so great about Rayo is that they don't have incredibly talented individuals, but they do have a great team unit with plenty of strong options across the park. And I mean, look at them now. I mean, they're fifth in the league at the moment, and who knows how how long they can keep dreaming for. But I mean, with Falcao, he's one of those guys who, a bit like Luis Suarez, maybe doesn't he's not involved through the game that much, but he'll pop up and score with a goal. And then they've got some very talented players. I mean, Alvaro Garcia and Isi, the two wingers who both scored against Cadiz, played very well. Um, in the middle of the park, I mean, you've got Oscar Trejo, Patricis, two very good central midfielders. Dimitrevski in goal is very reliable between the sticks. I mean, Frank Garcia as well, left back, a very talented youngster. So, I mean, Rayo have a decent team. I mean, a lot of us predicted that they'd go down at the start of the season, but maybe we were we were way off. Yeah, and I, I wanted to touch just quickly on Real Sociedad, who, who beat Elche 1-0, which maybe isn't the most surprising or noteworthy result, but that second half, the performance they put in there was, was fantastic, and the sort of dynamism that was in their play. Julen Lobete was started up front, it was his first start, he was the the one who got that a goal against uh, Barcelona right at the end in the first match day, and not perhaps the most um, most fino, not perhaps the most well-rounded player, but the runs in behind and the sort of desire to make an impact were were really exhausting for the Elche defence, who who ended up making an error for Oriathabal to to waltz in and slide home the winner. And Aguathil, I just have, have so much time and and praise for him in this this sense because nine players out and. We've talked about Cumin and Esloquei. Well, Esloquei and Real Sociedad too, and they are doing they're doing better than Barcelona, sitting second. Exactly, yeah, and I mean Elche as well. I mean we think of Elche maybe as a team that Real Sociedad should be beating, but I mean this season they drew with Athletic, they drew with Sevilla, uh, they really pushed Atleti, and Atleti only won one nil. I mean, other than the defeat of Villarreal in midweek, they've been a very difficult team to beat, but Real Sociedad were, were pretty efficient at doing it. Yeah, definitely. And without further ado, if there's nothing that you feel inclined to comment on, we'll we'll move on to the MVP. Yeah, just one more for you, thing who... for me, Rory, which is let's see how long Michelle can can hang on for another defeat. 
to poor Hetafe yeah. stay bottom of the table without any points after seven games. Yeah, it's it's not looking pretty, and I would per- perhaps if I was a betting man, I would maybe put some money on him being sacked during that upcoming international break because yeah, it, it's looking pretty grim for Hetafe and. I think that Atleti game must have been so sapping because they gave their all and just didn't get anything. One player who put them to the sword, though, this evening stood out for you, did he not? Yeah, William Jose, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, we saw him at Real Sociedad and we saw kind of the potential that he had. And it never really kind of lived up to it. I mean, there was always a feeling at Real Sociedad that he wasn't the striker they wanted. I mean, looking at Real Sociedad now, maybe you can see why. They want someone with a bit more quality. Alexander Izak gives them that. And Alex Soloth has come in and, and been very impressive as well. But to see him offered to so many clubs this summer and no one seemed to buy it until Real Betis did was a bit of a surprise. I think he settled in very quickly and against Atafi showed exactly why Betis were so keen to bring him in. I mean, clinical finishing. I mean, he's one of those number nines that is always going to be on the last shoulder. I think he's a bit more consistent than Borja Iglesias, who's, who's their alternative for Betis. So... This, for me, is exactly the kind of performance that Betis fans would have been hoping for from, from William Jose. I mean, he's won them the three points almost single-handedly with his two finishes. So, for me, I mean, he has to be one of our MVP picks because on his day, William Jose is one of the best strikers in the league. And scored a beautiful trip against Osasuna in midweek with really, really nice goal. Um, a slightly more agricultural goal scorer this weekend was Victor Laguardia, who, who put put Atleti to the sword and I he's one of the players that I want to really highlight because Alaves are in such desperate need of heroes at the moment and you drop Hosolu and you're you're looking at that side and you're thinking I I'm not quite sure where where the player to step up is, is going to come from but LaGuardia not only scored but really pulled together that defense and and sort of it's a real captain's performance from him and yeah, I, I just think that was that was key in defeating the league leaders, which again, no small feat, and that has to be highlighted. It has to be we're all too quick to praise attacking players because it's slightly more flashy, it's slightly more fun, but really nice to see a defender just completely dominate a game in the way that Laguardia did. Yeah, and on that same note, I mean, I touched on it earlier with with Jamie Campbell was the role of Juan Foyth for for Real. I mean. He was really impressive. I mean, not just defensively. I mean, he's one of those right-backs who doesn't really seem like he is a right-back. I mean, defensively, he acts like a central defender because that's obviously where he spent most of his career. But then going forward, he acts almost like more like a right-winger. I mean, it's like the hybrid of two positions. And Unai Emery said, well, right, well, if you can't play right-wing and you can't play central defence, let's put you right-back. And it, it's worked really well. I think against Real Madrid, he, he gave Nacho plenty of problems. And defensively, he was very solid. He kept Vinicius very quiet. And we've seen Vinicius' form in the past few weeks. That's that's no easy task. Yeah, and Unai Emery, I know, loves one point. I think he thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I'm starting to I as well. I have to say, <laughs> yeah, he leaves everything out there. And for another player that was also a fullback, but was playing more like a left winger today, uh, Serginho Dest on supposedly the wrong side put in just a brilliant performance against Levante today he was whipping out the flip-flaps as if he was Ronaldinho coming down that side and it, it really did make a difference to Barcelona because 
so often it's the width that's an issue and he was starting coming inside from the left hand side but that didn't really negatively impact them and I think he was a real outlet he was involved in goals and yeah so Gino Dest for me gets a lot of stick and can be ever so frustrating but today he was he was on fire and you saw why Barcelona invested in him because the raw talent is there and when he puts it together like he did today you, you do wonder if Barcelona can sort of mould themselves a fullback for the future and whether that be on the left or the right hand side he, he was simply magnificent in terms of maybe not a player but a moment or something that stood out to you what was your favourite moment of this weekend Sam? Well, I think my favourite moment was just now Roy listening to you say that <laughs> Serginho Dest is like Ronald Linea. <laughs> One win for Barcelona and look at you Barcelona fans already. No, I mean, my moment of the week, um, I think it has to be Javi Martinez, that late winner in in Mallorca for Osasuna. I mean, very well deserved for Osasuna and plenty of late drama, more late drama after that with the penalty, which was then disallowed for, for Osasuna. But, for Mallorca, sorry, but I think for Osasuna, that was, that was a just reward and in a game with so many brilliant finishes for his one to be a little bit more clumsy and chaotic was was kind of the, the perfect ending <laughs> to that game. What about you, Rory? For me, I'm going to go... I've, I've actually switched my choice. I, I had one in mind, but I'm now going to go with Marcos Andre getting his first goal for Valencia right at the end. And it's not even for Marcos Andre himself because he's a new signing and, yeah, it's great to get a late equaliser, but it's Hugo Guillamon who I really want to highlight here who plays the pass, I think it's the pre-assist as the, as the up-to-date types would call it on Twitter. He plays the pass, he looks up, and it's so much easier for him to shoot or to, to play it simply out wide. But he drifts this beautiful ball over the top and it gets cut back and Marcus Andre taps home. But yeah, what pass that was. And Guillemon, who's really come on as a midfielder, he looks very comfortable. I think Ford Lass apparently thinks he's too small to be a central defender but he's doing a pretty good job in central midfield so without further ado i will thank sam for his time we're going to play out on that moment thank you very much for your for your insight once more sam thanks very looking forward to, to hearing my style yep and so am i so here it is Mastaya, marcos andre his first goal thank you very much for listening give us a follow if you don't already on twitter at la liga lowdown thanks for listening el rechace para que des al punto de penalti. La quería Fulquier de cabeza. En la frontal Guillamón. Guillamón la vuelca para Guedes, 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 Guedes. Guedes al segundo palo. ¡Gol, gol, 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 